have Love Montage. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, dude, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, man. Of course, man. I am a fucking huge fan of your music. In particular, You Turn Me On is an amazing song. It's a song that sounds like falling in love. Is that what it sounds like? That's what it sounds like to me. Okay, I, I can get behind that. That's, that's fun. I was blown away the first time I heard it. Um, it's just, a, it's like a perfect pop song. You know what I mean? I am, I am, I'm trying to find the perfect pop song. So if, if, if it sounds like that, then I, that's encouraging because it means I'm on the right track. You know where, what I mean? Where did you record that at? Mostly in my garage. Um, like I, all of, all of the, the instrumentation for the most part, I recorded into an interface with my laptop in my bedroom, but I do all my vocals in the garage just cause it's private. Um, like sometimes if it's like real, real cold, I'll do some vocals in my, in my bedroom, but generally I do them in, like, we have like a really shitty garage at my house. There's just a bunch of junk in there, but I go in there and I just set a 58 up and then just see what works, see what doesn't. I get uncomfortable when I have to cut vocals in front of people. So I prefer to do it like by myself too. Yeah. I don't know how people do it. I, especially because like, I, like if you, if you're recording and you know what you want to do, you, I feel like you're in a better position to kind of like do what, whatever kind of post-production for your vocals you want to do later. It takes a lot of trust to be able to like sing into a microphone and then let the producer make decisions about it. Um, Prince used to record his own vocals. Like they was like, all right, everybody get out. I'm going to do this. And then I'm sure, you know, they cut it up and shit like that later. But yeah, I, I, I could not, I couldn't, I couldn't record vocals with someone else, nor could I, record someone else's vocals i could i could probably do that if i really really had to but i would rather not do that what don't you like about it which part like recording someone else's vocals yeah yeah there if you're recording an artist they're gonna have an expectation on what they're supposed to sound like but your expectation the producer's expectation and the artist's expectation are probably going to be different. And then I don't know if I could ever like trust them and be like, "Hey, I don't really like this." And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a super collaborative person. Like it doesn't mean that I'm like I just like when at least when it comes to like love montage as a project, like you know, I know what it's supposed to sound like, and I just try to get as close to that thing as I can. Do you record everything yourself? Then do you do like the drums and the bass, or you bring in other people? This so. I have six songs out. The first two songs had a drummer and a bassist. The third, everything since then is all me, except for no matter where I go, because someone else played drums on that song because I don't play the drums. But those other songs all have have, have sample drums on them. So, so uh, for you, turn me on. That the one thing I noticed about that it's such a great percussive hmm. track. Were you using a drum machine? It's all. Uh, uh, Logic MIDI in okay, mm. like in the box stuff. Yeah, it's all it's all in the box. And I don't I don't own an actual drum machine. I mean, Logic has enough drums in it to where like I I feel like like I get it, but like I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of money just to get a drum machine for the sake of getting a drum machine. I'm kind of similar to a certain degree. Like when I when I write and like demo stuff here at my house, I always have players in mind that I want to like play on it if I if I take it to a studio. Mm-hmm. That's always my intention. But I like try and get everything down. That way if I'm actually going to a studio, we're ready to go and there's no questions pretty much. It's like we're going in there to execute. Yeah. I've been super lucky. I've gotten to record at Blackbird a couple of times. That's cool. 
Um, and this past time I recorded there, it's always been in the, in the student program that they have there. So like mm. they record you for free and you just get to take everything. Mm. And, um, I had been writing and writing and writing and I was like, I want to record something in 2021. The opportunity came up, got offered to do it mm. through my friend Teo. Mm. Um, and we went in there and my first time, like we recorded the songs, everything sounds great, but it was my first time cutting vocals with like a lot of people around in a studio. Yeah. Cause I'm so used to doing like nine takes. And even if I breathe a certain way for a certain word, I can just cut it. And then, you know what I mean? It, it's hard to get a good vocal take. Oh no. Oh yeah. That, that was probably, I had, it took me a while to kind of figure that out. Um, cause like when I, when I first started doing this, it was like, I was like trying to get it as live as possible. Like, I, I don't know. I had like a real, I had a real thing about that. Like, I read too much sound on sound, which, like, a lot of that stuff is useful. I'm sure you probably have read a couple of, like, about, like, I don't know, whatever some of your favorite records are about how they were made. A lot of that stuff is useful. But there is um, there is a sort of mythology to it. Like, they kind of exaggerate the degree to which, oh, yeah, you cut these vocals in one take and this, that, and the other. And it's like, no, they didn't. Pro- they probably didn't. At least not to the degree that you're saying that they did. Yeah, like, you're, like it's very unlikely that there was no editing and like you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. I I never really. Th- I, I I always thought of recording vocals as a performance rather than a a, a trial and error process. Because now the way that I record vocals is in terms of tr- is trial and error. Um. I change words if I don't like the vowels change phrasing change timing i pay pay attention to my breaths and stuff like that too and you just get happier with the vocal takes that you get especially if you're recording yourself um because you can take the time to do it right and see what works and see what doesn't work you're not burning studio time yeah i think my method now and this is a lot of people would probably feel this is counterproductive but even if i book time at a studio i wouldn't want to cut the vocals there i'd be like i want to do it at home like, I would almost bring in, like, someone to sing in an ISO booth or something like that while we're doing it just to mime the words. Because um, since I'm a bass player, I can't fucking sing and play bass at the same time. Yeah. It is so difficult. I can imagine. Um, and especially kind of like the bass I play. I play, like, a lot of syncopated shit, and it's mm. really grooving and everything. So it's hard. I don't know how Paul McCartney ever did it. I was literally about to ask that because you've probably seen Get Back by now, right? Uh, no, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I watched. We, me and my brother and dad, we watched it over over Christmas. We watched all seven hours of it. If we didn't, not in one setting. Um, we that was over the course of a few days, over three days. We get through it in about three days because I think each part is about two hours, give or take. But there's a lot of Paul McCartney bass playing in it, and it is weird to watch because um, I, like, I don't really know how he does it either. Like I, I wouldn't try it unless I like really, really had to. Or unless maybe you're like in a punk band or something like that, then you could probably do Blink one eighty two style. Yeah, I mean maybe something a little less like pop punky. But yeah, sure, but sure, like 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 yes, you would be capable of doing it in terms of Blink one eighty two. But like you know, I I don't I don't listen to a lot of pop punk, man. Like I I get it, but I don't feel it. You know what I mean? Did you grow up in a musical family? My dad played a little bit of music. Like there was a lot of there were a lot of instruments around, and he he. Um, Pressure, he sent us towards music, if that makes sense. So it was like there was a part of it that was like a choice, but there was like a part of it that wasn't either. Um, we became a musical family. That's a better way of saying it. Because my brother and I, we both play. My dad like tinkered. Um, and then when he had two sons that played, then he wanted to come along. 
is kind of the way that that developed. So does your dad like play more now that you and your brother there, play? We had like a little cover band for a while. Um, but now like my brother goes to school in UGA and now I live here. So I think he might tinker around on the bass every now and again, but for the most part, no, like, you know, he, like there, that was like a, that was, there, that was a period in my life where we were like all playing together. It was like, how old were you? Well, first time, the first time we did it, I was probably 12 or 13, 13, 14, somewhere in there. But we, there was always some form of like family musical activity from the time that I was like 14 until about 22. And the base, like we, when I was in, when I was in high school, we used to go play like nursing homes. And we, we did use a drum machine then, funny enough, we didn't have a drummer. We had like a little boss drum machine of... Boss Doctor Rhythm is actually a pretty cool drum machine. Actually, um, what were you guys playing? Classic oldies mainly. Okay, um, like there, 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 there was the period where we were doing nursing homes, and that's been so long ago. It's weird because, like, I don't know. I Me Mine was on, like was was in a set list one time. The, the, the Beatles song, the George Harrison song, um, which isn't even a hit, and the people that we were playing for were so old that I'm, they, they like that, that was like young people's music to them yeah. when it was out. So that's kind of weird. It was probably like 20 years before their time. Yeah. Or after, after, their, time. Years, after their time. After their time. Yeah. yeah. Um, Seven Spanish Angels was in there, which is like a Willie Nelson, Ray Charles song. Yeah, I know the song. Yeah, My uh, dad actually brought that song up today. Oh, did he? Yeah. We were, we were riding cause he, he had given me, a, given me a ride somewhere. And, um, he was telling me that he saw it on the front page of uh, Amazon Music, and it was just stuck in his head. It's a real catchy song. It's a good story. I like that song a lot. What's the story behind it? I don't know it. I mean the song, the story, like the 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 story in the song. Oh, itself. okay, okay, I, like, gotcha. I, there, I, there's a there's a live video of like Willie Nelson and um, Ray Charles like doing it together. Like like they're Ray Charles is sitting. They're both sitting on the piano, but Ray Charles is playing, and then I think Willie Nelson is just singing, and the microphone is sitting next to Ray Charles. Um, and I think that Willie Nelson says something to the effect of, well, Ray brought this song to the studio. I don't know where it came from. Cause that, I don't know. That was a week, Cause that was like, I think that was in the eighties, maybe even the early nineties. Mm-hmm. So like neither of them were particularly young at that point. And, um, I don't I, like, I don't know if they wrote it or if like some, if it was born in a writing room and then just brought it to those two and cut it or what. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that song was in there. Uh, All shook up was in there. This is like this is like the nursing homes. This yeah, is like, yeah. Hell, this was 2010, 2011, 20, 2012. It was before I went to college. Um, we used to do Black Magic Woman, Hoochie Coochie Man by Muddy Waters. Black Black Magic Woman is the Santana song. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I went to college, and then. I don't really remember. We must have done a little bit of that over the summers when I was home for college. I, th- I think maybe my last year before senior year is when we started doing the thing at the pizza place. And then the, that was like, that was a better set list. Like, Easy Like Sunday Morning was in there. Boogie Shoes was in there. Casey and the Sunshine. Band. Oh, yeah. It's a great song. Like, you know, like, like, like hits. Like, yeah. You know, songs people top, know. top 40 songs. Yeah. Just Hold On, We're Going Home was in there. Uh, we used to do Happy by Pharrell. Uh, hold on, we're we're going home. Is that the Drake song? Mm-hmm. 
Dude, have you ever seen the Arctic Monkeys do a cover of that song? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's pretty cool. Drunk karaoke, Alex Turner. Yeah, version. yeah, yeah. It is pretty cool. It's a, it, 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 it's a, that's a, it's a fun song. It and, is. Yeah, it's, it's a great song. I, I'm not too familiar with Drake. That's one of the only songs that I really, uh, really know by him besides Hotline Bling. Hot, yeah, which is a great song. It is a great song. Um, but people love to make fun of him, and he's just kind of doing his own thing. He, you know? he, I don't know. He, I, I like, I like Drake's hits. Like Drake, Drake has a lot of music. And there's, yeah, you already know this, I'm sure, but there's hip hop Drake and then there's like pop Drake. Um, cause Drake has a lot of pop hits. Um, there's Hotline Bling and Just Hold On, We're Coming, Going Home are probably the, the, especially Hotline Bling is probably not going to be like the one, the one. But, you know, there's Passion Fruit and, uh, <laughs> what's that? Uh, uh, I got fake people showing fake love to me straight up to my face. He's got that song. I can't even remember what it's called, which is, I don't think that's one of his best like hit hits. The um, only other Drake song I know, I think this is Drake started from the bottom. Now we're here. Is yeah. That Drake? Yeah. That's see, that's like one of his like hip hop hits. Yeah, okay. Um, like it was a huge hit. It just wasn't like a, like a top 40, like bubblegum pop. Yeah. Yeah. Hit. Um, yeah, but that, yeah, I forgot about that one. And that's the other thing. Like he's got a lot of music. Like, cause his first song was the, um, uh, with the one with the, where Kanye West directed the music video, um, the best I ever had. That was I like, don't know if I know that. That's one. like 2010. But Drake, man, there's a lot of Drake. There's a lot of Drake, um, and I, you know, it's 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 cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. The song, the songs I know. I, I mean, I like. Um, yeah. I, is there anything you've been listening to lately that you're super into? That's weird. That's always a weird question. It always comes up, and I never really know how to answer it. Have you ever heard of Toulouse? No, me neither. Um, they um, it's like a, a Cubaquois disco band. Like they sound, they sound kind of like ABBA, but like they sing in like French and English. Um, and they've got a song called um, "It Always Happens" or "It Always Happens This Way." They were playing it. I worked two days at a restaurant. They were playing it in there, and I was like, "Man, this is pretty cool." This was like just like very on the nose '70s disco pop. Like it could have been like on the um, Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Okay. Um, I don't know. I like I I organize my music listening into playlists, and you know, new music, cool music, just finds its way to me, and then maybe it makes its way into my life. Maybe it doesn't. Um, there's a guy named <clears throat> Excuse me, J.W. Francis that I listened to a lot last year. He's kind of like just like a DIY lo-fi indie kind of dude. Um, I'm probably going to butcher her name, and I don't think she really makes music anymore. But there's like she's like a dream pop shoegazy kind of artist name. I'm going to pull pull it up so I can phonetically say this as best as I can. Have you heard of the Growlers before? I love the Growlers. Yeah. Um, I've been listening a lot to them and their, uh, their singer Brooks uh, mm-hmm. Nielsen. He has some solo songs out that I Does really he? love. Yeah. Are they new? Yeah, they're brand new. They just, they were released last week of 2021. That's interesting. I, they're, you know, they, um, they're kind of like a, you know, a, a, an indie rock main, for, 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 for that kind of indie rock anyway, they're kind of like one of the big bands. They, um, I don't know if you follow the whole Burger Records thing. I saw a little bit about that. I saw kind of what happened with the Growlers, but I, I didn't know any of the other bands that were kind of brought into that. So that group, like that entire category of band, like the Growlers are probably like the, the, the most popular out of them. And they, you know, there's a lot of bad behavior, obviously. obviously. The, the, the Growlers, 
it doesn't sound they they some, some of the allegations against the growlers were not as bad as some of the other things but a lot of the stuff was still pretty shitty i can't remember who they were on tour with but they they gave her a real hard time i think one of the bands that was like a allegedly had something done to them was like cherry glazer or cherry, something right. like that yeah so cherry glazer was dating because at this point cherry glazer was like a, a teenager like like this like this what like this is illegal what happened yeah um there's a band called the Buttertones. they're not a band anymore but there's kind of like just like you know like uh just like like it's like like it's like it's like beach it's like it's like surf, surf punk but like a little cleaner you know what I mean? It's like like it's not it's not like messy, but it is like surf monks. It's like surf rock meets post punk or whatever. But the bass player in that band um, was 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 like it entered into a relationship with uh, I believe it's her. Um, I don't know because I'm listening to a ton of Cherry Glazer's music, but it's the same category of indie rock bands or whatever. But yeah, like he was like twenty. She was like fourteen or sixteen. That's, or okay, like that's that. fucked. Yeah. yeah, no, it was like bullshit, and you know it. I don't, I don't like, I like, it, it, I don't like. I'm, I'm not, I'm not from LA. I don't live in LA, but like, you know, like when you when you listen to a certain kind of band, you know, you find your way to like what was once Burger Records, and it was just very shocking. I was like, dude, this this like entire scene just sounded like a nightmare, man. Yeah, basically, what I had saw that had <laughs> happened with the Growlers or at least the allegations that were against Brooks mm. was on the last night of the tour, yep. their Australian tour, they had gotten a male stripper for a female singer of one of the other bands. Yep. And they were like filming it and whatever, which is in poor taste is not right to do. That's something I personally wouldn't do. Yeah. But I think I don't, I don't even know why, why they would have necessarily done something like that because like, it wouldn't even necessarily cross my mind to play a prank in that way. Mm. But I think like, and maybe you can relate to this doing music like East Nashville in a lot of ways is like an echo chamber. So it's like, like the, like a scene out there, if there's a bunch of bad fucking people misbehaving, it gets a pass. Mm. Not saying that's happening in East Nashville necessarily, but it's like rock dudes in general. I feel like they are uh, a stereotype now. Uh You know what I mean? Like, they just want to be, like, fucking Aerosmith. They want to be, like, they're in the 70s. They they you, they wear the fucking bell bottoms and all that shit still. Yeah. And they, they talk bad about women and shit, you uh-huh. know? And and that's that's something, especially as I've gotten older, like, I, I turned 30 last year. Mm. Like, looking at that now, I was grown out of that, I feel like, by, like, 23, 24. Not that I ever sexually assaulted anyone but like the whole sex drugs rock and roll thing right yeah um i i I think when shit like that happens booze is almost always a factor number one yes um and because i i I, what's funny my my my, i don't have my um like i have my phone with me but i can only use it on wi-fi right now we don't have to get a wi-fi i would what what i'm saying is i would like to look some of this up i just don't have the means to at this moment yeah but um, the, the supporting act in question that they did play that prank on, like when she was giving her statement, she's like, the entire tour was great. Um, and then this happened and, you know, I really didn't like it and I really wasn't okay with it. And I was like, stop. And they like kept it going and they were filming it. Um, I think it was probably a lot of drinking, um, yeah. is what, you know, would, you know, make that kind of behavior, you know, something that they, you know, they thought was funny and, you know, like, uh, like it, it is a rock and roll thing. They are not super young dudes. No. In the Growlers. 
Um, I don't know if you like. I don't know. Like, I don't know how much like you know about like their 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 story and this their entire brand. But like, I know a little bit. They basically started when they were in high school and have been going for a long time, right? Yeah. Uh, you know the song uh, "Go and Get Stuff." Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you know why they wrote that song? No. So it, they they there's a line of that song that says um no home since the fire me and the ash can settle down they like left a, they 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 were they were renting a house or maybe they'd own the house and they um something about the house wasn't up to code but they didn't want to move out so the city like shut the utilities off so they bought a generator to like keep the heat on and all this shit and then something happened with that generator and the house burned down. Oh, fuck. Um, so, like, if you just, like, kind of want a window into their world, like, that's just the kind of dudes that they are. I've never actually seen them live. Somebody told me that they went and they didn't have a good time. But I, I don't know. I, I like a lot of their songs, man. Um, and, like, I don't know. It's it's weird because, like, that, like I said, that 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 entire... There, there, are, there are a lot of dudes that were way too old to be hanging around... Like these, t- these the teenage teenagers, girls, teenagers, yeah. and there's booze everywhere, and it was that was kind of like the vibe over there. And that's yeah. fucked up. Yeah, it's super fucked up. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: one of the thing, one of my favorite things about you on social media is that you always share what you think, and yeah. you always back it up. Uh-huh. Like, so let me ask you this: what is the path back from something like that? An instance. Like Brooks from the Growlers, mm-hmm. he came out. He apologized. Yep. He said, "I was wrong." Mm-hmm. What is it? What is the appropriate path back, dude? It's not really up to you. <laughs> to be honest with you, it is. You can, you know, you can apologize. You can seek whatever kind of rehabilitation you're interested in. Um, you, you like. I feel like you can do whatever you feel like you need to do to address whatever you have either done or what it has been alleged that you've done. And then it's up to people on whether or not they want to have you back. Like you don't really get to pick. I, you know, it, and maybe for some people it's not fair. Could be, but I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't like, it's not like if, if people, if people have made the decision that like, they're not going to patronize your work anymore. You don't get to say like you. You can't force them to do that. Yeah, you see what absolutely. I'm saying? Like, one hundred percent. It's not really up to you. It's not. Um, and I mean, it works both ways. I mean, it's like if you behave badly, right? There are consequences to be, be to, to you know to your behavior. But like, I don't necessarily like like I I could say I like I I, I I I say all kinds of shit all the time. Somebody could be offended by the shit that I say. And I like I don't get to be like I don't get to tell somebody that they can't be offended or, or that they can't levy consequences upon me if they have the power to do so. Like you you incur risk when you speak. You do. Um and you know, if you're going to speak, you have to be okay with incurring that risk. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially today, because it's like we're almost commuting communicating with each other as close to telekinesis as we can. Yeah. Like when you're texting with someone, you're texting with their psyche and they're texting with your psyche. Mm. It's a direct feed. There's no filter there. Mm. Like between you and what, like your words. Right. That's a very, I think I heard uh, everybody's favorite, you know, billionaire Elon Musk say something along those lines about like, you know, like 
being able to like interface with each other like this is a physical barrier but like this is going to go away eventually i don't know if you've heard that yeah that's that's some kind of shit that he would say but i would say if you're like i feel like like being able to like telepathically communicate with somebody though you'd be able to also understand the intent in the context behind what they're thinking as they're saying it because if you're reading somebody's thoughts you don't necessarily get all the context you just get the words as they are which some people some people are really really good at communicating themselves well enough to where people can understand them but you know you 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 miss out on tone and you miss out on facial expressions like you don't get all of the the aspects of communication in that way but i do see what you're saying yeah it's um it can definitely be a challenge but I, at the end of the day, I feel like this technology is, is not a hindrance. I think it's a help because it's like you can go to anywhere in the world now mm-hmm. and even in the most remote African country, they can look up a YouTube video about how to fucking get clean water or some shit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's revolutionary. Yeah. I mean, it, I, what, what, you're, what you're referring to is a net positive. Which that's probably true, um, but you know, like when something is a tool, you know, a tool is contextual. It can be helpful in one sense. It can be harmful in another sense. It can be useless in another sense. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would say it's a net positive for sure. Net positive. Um, but you know, net positive is not the same thing as saying that it's all positive. Um, yes. But you know, I, like I'm not. You know, I don't. I'm not somebody that thinks that we should. Like, I'm not. Uh, gonna like be the uh, champion of saying we should all unplug and whatnot and even if i was saying that clearly nobody wants to no um yeah the floodgates have already opened now yeah there's no going back i I think we all just need to practice living with it and figuring out what exactly living with it means and what living with it looks like you know what i mean well yeah i mean uh, how old are you 28 28 okay so we're similar in age Hmm. our generation was really the first generation that had Facebook. Like I remember when Facebook came out when I was a junior in high school. Me too. And before that it was, um, it was MySpace. MySpace was the thing. Yeah. So it's just kind of a, it's interesting to me now as like our generation is starting to age. We're not the youngest kids in the room anymore that we are not. (laughs) And it's, it's a weird experience now because like all the kids that are coming up now, they got their first iPad when they were like three years old, real young. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I mean, <laughs> all we can do is live in the world that we got. I mean, we can, you know, we, we, can, we can take steps to make it better, but, like, there's a lot of shit that's happening that you don't just get to pick. You get to pick how you react to it. Yes. Um, but a lot, like, you know, I have my opinions on shit, but a lot of this shit is beyond me, man. I, like I said, like, when it, when it comes to, like, technology and how it's influenced in the way that we live and interface with each other and treat one another, um, I just think we have to practice living with it. That's, 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 that's like, you know, it sounds like maybe like an oversimplification, but it's kind of just like, every, you know, a year ago, everybody was really big into the whole social, what is it, the, the social dilemma, what is it called? Uh, yeah, that Netflix documentary. Yeah, with Tristan Harris, the, um, the, the former Google design ethicist. He was, like, basically saying that, like, you know, this, like, so any any social media platform is, like, having an artificial intelligence pointed at your brain at all times, and it understands things about you that you might not be aware of about yourself, right? Um, 
a lot of people watched that documentary and they were like, oh, all right, well, it's time to delete all my apps. And the next amount of time went by and they were just right back on them again. Really, all it means is that, like, just be aware that your behavior can be gamed, which, to be fair, has always been true. It maybe wasn't, what maybe it wasn't as possible as it is now, like, with this level of precision. But he, like, Tristan Harris, who's the guy that, like, was at the helm of that documentary, he was a, um, he was a magician as a kid. He was a magician as a kid, and he, he got into design ethics because he understood as a, like, a, like a 12-year-old magician. Manipulation. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he kind of like already understood that you know, magic works by like, you know, setting up an expectation but knowing you know, things that are uh, gameable and exploitable about human ha- behavior so you miss where the trick is. And then basically when he was at, I think he was at Stanford, they, 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 they applied the, um, they applied the techniques of like a, you know, slot machines and stuff like that in uh, casinos to the way that these apps work. Like, you know, the refresh oh, button, the light, you know, so you get like a, a dopamine. To, like, like, like it's, it's fine to acknowledge that like, yes, like every human being is, is subject to like, like, in, like just like you, you train a dog, you know, you like, like we're not like we, we are different. We're still animals we're, at the yeah, end of the day. We're, we, we, yeah, we're still we're 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 highly cognitive, but we're biological creatures at the end of the day. So, to me, this most important part about living with this shit is just knowing: yes, I can be taken advantage of. I am not above influence. I feel like everybody, and I've been guilty of this myself at times, mm-hmm. thinks they are above the influence. When you when you see, I I personally didn't watch that documentary mm-hmm. because I knew I was like. What good is this going to do me spiritually and, like, mentally to watch this? Yeah. Like, I felt like it's just going to bring me down, and I'm like, I'm aware that there's shit going on. Do Mm. I need to really make myself feel bad about this? (laughs) It's interesting because I I don't believe that we have free will either. Um, So, I like, to say that you're above someone else's influence it's not that I don't think you can believe that without believing that you are a, a, a freely operating agent, which I also do not believe. Um, How so? What do you mean? Well, do you do you believe that dogs have free will? Uh, which is a super oversimplification, but the only reason I'm bringing that up is because we we established that we are in fact biological creatures first. Yes. So okay. So let's break this down for a second. Uh, dogs they need to be let out to go to the bathroom. Yep. They have to go on walks, they have to be fed, and they need a human being to help them do all that. Unless right. they are astray out in the world. Right. Well, you're, but you're, so you're, you're setting up a dynamic to where free will relates to your relationship with another human or another living thing. Like, you, when I'm talking about free will, this is essentially a question of what comes first, your thoughts and feelings or a biological process that then leads to what we call thoughts and feelings. Interesting. Because if if you if you were if you were flesh and blood um and you are made up of organs which are made up of tissue which is made up of cells you're I, I, you you unless unless you which you may be as a lot of people are you unless you believe in an immaterial soul that existed before your physical body you're not in control of your cells you're not in control of the rate to which your cells reproduce you're not in you're not in control of the speed through which um impulses go from your neurons to the rest of your body 
Um, if you are a physical being, then consciousness must also have a physical root. Um, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, that, that is why I say that we do not have free will. I had on this guest um, a couple episodes ago, Dr. Wendy Walsh. I'm not familiar with her, but go, go So she is a, uh evolutionary um, psychologist. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that I had for her was, does free will exist? Mm-hmm. And she was basically saying, uh, no, because there's so it's, it's a combination of nature and nurture. That's true. Uh-huh. Like what our environment was as children, just like going down that whole rabbit hole, you know, like yep. who were you raised by? Who were you around? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely think it's interesting because mm-hmm. it's like, it, it's almost like, uh, we're piloting these, uh, these meat machines through a matrix, I would say that you're observing your meat machine through the matrix. You're like, I, again, this is my opinion. Like, I'm not saying I'm right. Okay. Like, I know I prove it, but you, you're like piloting again implies that you have full agency over it. You feel like you have agency over it. I feel like I have agency over it, but really what is happening is that you're watching your experience. And as far as we know, that's something else that most other organisms can't do is they they you know their their experiences just are what they are there's not like the third the the, the third person perspective of watching everything that you do okay um yeah and, yeah but yeah like like nature versus nurture like like that doesn't necessarily prove nor disprove like the, the whole concept of, of free will it it, it maybe adds context to it and whatnot, but like, yeah, like we are part nature and part nurture, but you, you don't really, you don't really, you don't really choose either. You know what I mean? Like, like so, so much of your life you don't pick like your genetics and shit. You don't pick your genes, but you know, you don't, you don't pick the time in history when you're born. You don't pick the neighborhood that you're born in. You don't pick your parents. You don't, you you, like the, 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 most of the things that make you, you, you don't pick. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so you know, like I, like I, like I understand, like I feel like I have free will. I do. I feel like it, and I, I live my life as such. But like, I'm not also not under the illusion that, like I said, like I, I'm, I, 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 I can't predict what my next thought is going to be, nor can I choose what my next thought was going to be. Because then you have to go down the rabbit hole of, oh, well, what thought did I, what, what thought will I choose next? And that in itself is a thought, and you didn't pick that thought. Let me ask you this. So, did you grow up in a religious family at all? We were Baptist, but like not not and granted the short answer is yes. Okay. On the spectrum of religious parents, I would say that my my parents are pretty moderate is what I would say. But yeah, I, I grew up in a religious household. Do you believe in like a higher power or god? Not really. No, I'm a pretty hard and fast atheist. Okay. Mhm. I would probably say for myself, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a religious person at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I want to believe that there is something that connects all of us, not necessarily God, mm-hmm. whatever this ex- human experience is. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I feel like I feel like life is like an episode of Lost. Did you ever watch TV show Lost? <laughs> Never actually watched it. <laughs> so every time that they they answered a question, it was answered with another question. Uh-huh. So I feel like that's kind of with the beauty of 
life is in a lot of ways is you don't really get any answers and things are kind of vague and you just have to apply your own Mm. meaning to it. Mm. No, that makes sense. Um, You know, some people might call that like, like, like a positive take on nihilism that there is no intrinsic meaning. So you have the freedom to decide what your own meaning is, which, you know, I survive. I can can get down with that. Um, What do you think though? I I think that, I, I think that prim, pr- primarily we are we are biological creatures with physical needs, but w- we we seem to have that as far as we can like you know like because like if you look at mammals like like clearly like a dog can get stressed out for example right dogs just light off some fireworks outside yeah. so like like when you when you when you look at living creatures they they have you know like varying level of like varying levels of emotional awareness as far as we can tell human beings have the highest level of emotional awareness which means we 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 in in some ways we enjoy life a lot better than like a lot of other species but we also have the capacity to suffer so and create suffering and and, and exactly and, and inflict that suffering on other people so i feel like to me life is an exercise of suffering as little as possible and also minimizing the level of suffering that I'm inflicting on other people. Um, Cause like, you know, like it, it when it gets down to it, it all ends the same way for everybody. I mean, yes. Like, you know, like, it does. It, you know, you, you, one thing that actually, I, I'm not really into the Bible, but at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, like Solomon, cause like, that's my actual name. I guess I should just put that out there for, for anybody that didn't know. But I'm named after the King Solomon of the Bible, but he closes the book of Ecclesiastes, which has, has all this wisdom and stuff in it with all this vanity, like, you know, because he was the richest man. He had all these women and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, it, you can't take any of it with you. Um, so, you know, I, I think it can be helpful to, 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 to put forth your own meaning. I think that most human beings... We, we we cause ourselves more suffering than we cause other people. Like there are people that do cause a lot of suffering to other people. I'm not discounting that, but m- like most of our suffering is either due to s- the things that we're holding on to or things that we've accumulated in, or or, or or rather, a lot of our own suffering is created by us either doing too much or not doing enough. It's one of those two things. And for most people in this society, we do too much. I think that we, we we're doing too much a lot of the time in our personal lives, like to where, so to where we we force ourselves into all this unnecessary upkeep and all this unnecessary clutter and all this unnecessary investment in time on things that we'd rather not do. Um, you know, I think that we tend to look at like happiness and fulfillment and success in terms of accumulation when like there's a pretty good case to be made that like doing some unloading could go a long way in making us happier. But that's just my opinion. Like spiritual unloading, like physical unloading. All of it. Like all of it. Like, you know, like if you, if you take like work for example, like most people work jobs, they don't want to work. Right. Yes. Um, and, but you, you like the, the, the idea is that you work that job in order to get the things that you want. But the, the trap that most of us work, work, work ourselves into is working just to 
be able to go to work again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was like I because I, 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 I was a nine to fiver until until September. I worked for for Lyft's corporate headquarters. I'd been there for two years, and I mean it 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 it, it provided me with kind of like structure and stability to where I was kind of able to um, like actually like get love montage like seriously going because it was fledgling before that. <laughs> but um, when the pandemic started, I didn't have anything else to do, so I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll record some shit. And then I started putting this shit out. And um, I realized that, especially when the pandemic started, I realized that I had gotten into the habit of working Monday through Friday, and then you you, you forget about Monday through Friday on Saturday and Sunday just to go do it again. Because I wasn't a particularly career-minded person. I wasn't working towards a promotion or any broader corporate goal. I just wanted the money to buy cameras and you know guitars and stuff do like your own that. thing yeah and that, i think that's all that anybody ever wants but like most people anyway like some, some some people like climbing the corporate ladder some people like that um some people really want to like have a wife and kids and a house and those like that's really really important and important to them to have but like when you start chasing those things you 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 create a box for yourself that one day you wake up and it's hard for you to get out of um it's like a coffin yeah it is yeah no i think um i used to be like a nine to five for myself mm-hmm. i had left that world probably like four or so years ago and it was just a miserable experience um a working for someone else mm-hmm. and then b knowing that i, I it wasn't fulfilling you know, with the things I was doing. And and there were some jobs that I had where I really got a lot from that really contributed to like everything I'm doing today. Like I had this great sales job and I had great business mentors there and all that stuff is stuff I apply to my life today. But in the, the big grand scheme of things, I don't know what good a job for someone can really do other than just give them money. Cause essentially it boils down to you're trading your time yep. for money. Yeah. And time is our, the most valuable asset we have mm-hmm. because again, like, like you said earlier, it all ends the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like I said, like there, like so, some people like, like in those sales positions or like those corporate positions, some people like, absolutely like the competitive nature of it. Some people like that for sure. I enjoy the competitive nature of it myself. Yeah. Um, mo- most people, and I don't blame them. Most people are there to get paid to live the life that they want to live. But you, it's it. When you're like you, when you, you know the way you put it is true. Your 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 primary any any human being's primary asset, quote unquote, is time. And most human beings are born into this world with very little to bargain with, other than selling their time to an employer. Um, and you know you you work yourself into a trap because the idea is that I'm going to do this and then go out and live my life in the real world. But then as soon as I'm done with this thing that I don't want to do, all I want to do is forget about my nine to five. Um, and you, you know, you, there are a couple of ways of looking at like, I, at, at this point, like you were te- talking about technology earlier. Um, there's no reason that, 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 that we should be working as much as we are, especially to be working more and more for less and less. Yeah. Um, so like 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 in, in a super idealist in a super idealist future 
we would be working less and spending more time on things that we actually care about. Um, it'll, it, it is, it is up for debate whether or not things are actually going to pan out that way. Um, but in, 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 at this present moment, yeah, at least for me, I was just kind of like, yeah, dude, I'm going to, like, I quit. I don't want to play this game anymore. So I'm going to, I'm going to take my chances working the, the absolute minimum that I can. And I'm going to try to build what I want to build and do what I want to do. Um, and I think like just in, in terms of like individuals, right? Like we can talk about it in terms of systems too, but in terms of individuals, um, taking that leap, to just do the thing is just, it's going to require you to give some things up, but you know, you rather than being in service of an actual life, a lot of people end up working just to service like the car that you have to use to get to work and the gas to put in it. And then the house that you don't even get to spend any time in because you're always at work. And I know now some people work from home. A lot of people work from home, but the, even then the house becomes a trap because now that, that now, now the house is work, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. The house is your office. There's no separation. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it there, 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 there are a lot of nice things. That, like you know, like an iPhone is cool. You know what I mean? But like, are we seriously any happier? Like, 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 to what degree? Like, like, a lot of the shit that we have has made life more convenient. Yes, I don't know if it's made life more rich or fulfilling. I don't know if you can say that. Yes, I, th- I think there's an argument to be made for that. Well, let me ask you this. Mm. So. Coronavirus happens. Yep. And basically everything gets turned on its head. Yep. As we knew it. As we knew it. In the day-to-day, like day-to-day life, that is. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that happened from it that we're we're still experiencing today is there's all these job openings now. Uh-huh. And there's a lot, it's a big topic of conversation. It My is. personal opinion mm-hmm. is that people found out other ways to make money during the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. they realized they didn't necessarily have to have a job, Mm -hmm. whether it was like for me personally, I started flipping baseball cards on the side. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been doing Uber and Lyft for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So I I had already kind of left that little like day to day, nine to five kind of life. Mm -hmm. But I think like there was a lot of people like the conservative narrative is that they got too much free money. Um, and that's why people, people don't want to work anymore. Right. I don't know, really know what the, the, uh, the, the liberal narrative to, to, to that would be necessarily other than people don't want to have jobs. Uh-huh. Um, cause I've been someone for a long time who has been pretty open and honest, at least with myself about, I don't want to have a job like ever. Which is most people. Yeah. No, 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 like like mo- most people don't want to work. Like most people, like you want to make music. You want to create things. Yes. No, nobody wants to work for the sake of working. And I do make an exception for like, 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 like Wall Street guys, they like the competitive element. There are people that like existing in those structures. Those people do exist. It's not most people. Um, there are people that like dream of being upper management or middle management. Those people do exist, but that's not most people. With the labor shortage... 
it's it, it, it's a few things. It's not the money because and 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 it, that I mean that narrative fell apart in 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 the late summer, like in August and September, when these states started shutting off the ex, the extended unemployment benefits. Yeah, and people like they, they, it didn't it didn't get these jobs filled, and we also haven't gotten a check in a year. So yeah, like like we can put a fork in that one, and it's like. I don't even I don't even know who that narrative is for, like, like because it, it I don't even think it even plays well with a conservative base, to be honest with you. Like, I, I think that that's kind of their way of saying, well, we don't really know what's happening and we don't know what to do. A lot of people retired early. So that is kind of a part that kind of gets left out because that part isn't super interesting. The other part is that the, 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 the sectors that are driving the labor shortage are disproportionately retail hospitality restaurants and like to be fair like like you're seeing people quit healthcare jobs construction jobs um in higher numbers than they ever have but it's retail it's hospitality and it's like restaurants like service industry that are, 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 are where, where most of the quitting is happening because those jobs demand a lot of people but people don't really get a whole lot out of them. No. You see what I'm saying? So Other you, than just the money and most of the time. But not, the money isn't even that great. Like, yes. It's not, it's not that great. It's no. not that great. And you, with most of those <clears throat> jobs, you don't have benefits for the, the average worker. Right. Um, but, you know, to, to, to your point, like, I, you know, I'm sure that a lot of people have found that because there, there, there are a lot of ways of making money and whatnot. Um, but, you know, for, for 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 a lot of the jobs that people have left, I don't think they're coming back. I don't think they're coming back. I don't and, think so either. Um, and, and 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 good for them. To be honest with you, I I think that it it opens up a broader narrative that there is an expectation in American culture that we should be able to go out and eat and shop and do all these things, um, no matter what the cost. Like to the people that are actually doing the work, um. Like you, 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 it's like oh well, you know, if, you, if, you, if we start paying, if we start paying people at, at, at McDonald's more money, well, then the price of a burger is going to go up. It's like okay, well, you're not entitled to a burger. Pay more for the fucking burger, asshole. Yeah, I believe that too. I think, like, I wouldn't mind paying a couple dollars more for a cheeseburger or something like that. Yeah. When I'm out or spending a couple dollars more on a, a meal or whatever, if it means the people that are working there are making more money and better taken care of because you know what when i was fucking a, like from the ages of 18 to 22 i i exclusively worked like retail jobs mm-hmm. so i know what it's like to work those jobs like you are going to clock in for your four hour or eight hour shift mm-hmm. if it's a four hour shift you think thank god this is only a four hour shift mm-hmm. if it's an eight hour shift you're like how am i going to get through this today and then you hit lunch and then you're fine the rest of the day you can get through it most of the time but I have such vivid memories of knowing what it's like to work those shit jobs that nobody wants to do. And the people that are working them, they don't want to be fucking doing them either. They want to be at home with their families yeah. or creating what, whatever it is. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that we, like, just as, as a society, we have to kind of, like, reorient our expectations around, like, what we do with leisure time. Because part, like, there, 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 there are a lot of reasons on why we're kind of at this point now to where people, have, like I said, they've said, I've had enough. I don't, I'm not going to fucking do this anymore for you to, like, pay me shit and also, like, treat me like I'm disposable because that is what they do. And that is what, like, like they, they being, like, the the employers, but they also being, like, the people that, like, 
you know, like to go out to eat and like just act super entitled and whatnot. Like, so it's kind of like a double whammy and people have had enough of it. Um, like, and, and it, it tends to be, you know, the people that have the privilege to work from home, which as someone that has worked from home is not all privileges, but it is like, it is, it is nice in some ways In other ways it's shitty, but those are the people that like to go out and they want to, you know, they want to have like steaks and they want to go to the movies and do all these sorts of things. Some of those people need to find something else to do with themselves. Some of those people need to find something like productive to do other than, oh yeah, let's go eat something. Like they need to go find something better to do. Um, because like we've kind of like, set this whole economy up to where it's like, cool, I'm an accountant or, uh, like, you know, a, a middle manager, like, cool. It's, it's, it, it's, 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 it's five o'clock Thursday. It's been a hard week. Let's go do happy hour and be a dick to the bartender at Bar Louie. And I, like, not everybody's like that, but a lot of people are like that. Um, those people need to find something else to do. They need to, like, go and, like, I don't know, ride bikes or something like that rather than just, like, yeah, there's nothing to do other than go patronize. And and I'm not saying, like, never go out to eat and whatnot, but, like, you know, if you want to live in, like, this city of Nashville, for example, like, the people that are, like, staffing all these restaurants and cooking the food should be – they should be able to actually live in the city. They shouldn't have to live in the outskirts to, 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 to come to work to make a milkshake for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll see what the summer's like. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I think that maybe it may be think is in the right word. I hope that these places are perpetually understaffed and I hope that it makes them think about their labor practices. And I hope that it makes the average American think about like, okay, like, are we really about to go out and eat like, like on a snow day? Like, like you, you, you literally cleaned out the grocery store yesterday with the bread and milk and eggs, and now you're sitting in a restaurant. And there's snow all over the place. Why are you doing that? Anyway, no, it's there's definitely some. I think um, I agree with it to a certain degree. I think at the end of the day, and tell me, tell me what you think of this. Mm-hmm. There was a certain point during 2020. Mm-hmm. Where although I like to be an an informed person mm-hmm. and know what's going on, I had to stop with the news all the time. I had to stop with yeah. all of that because it was just damaging my spirit, my psyche. No, I would agree. Yeah. Um, go ahead. That, that was like a gasp. Like, okay. I, yeah, okay. Like, I don't know what. Yeah, I wasn't about to say anything. Go ahead. But yeah, it, and a part of that for me was just starting to let go of what other people are doing, which was super difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, what, what my counterbalance to that was, well, I just have to treat people the best that I can in every inter interaction that I have human to human. Mm -hmm. Cause that's at the end of the day, really the only thing I can control. Mm -hmm. Like it used to weigh me down, watching the news and worrying about this or worrying about that. And again, I like to be an informed person and know what's going on. I definitely have opinions on stuff, Mm -hmm. but I just started thinking, what good does having this opinion really do me? And why do I believe the things I believe? That's fair. I'd say that's very introspective of you. 
I don't think that that like to 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 have spent that much time alone and isolated and your only real window to the world being via social media and you know the news. But like you know, most people you know they get their news from social media these days. That wasn't healthy for anybody, man. Um, and I think that it all it did drive us all a little crazy. Oh, to, it, to it broke degree. my fucking brain. Yeah, it. I don't know. It like I like b- b- like because like you know it, we've like the world has been. Okay, well, this is kind of at least for for our general. This is this is the wildest things have been in a long time. Let me start by saying that. But even in 2019, the the political environment was still pretty dicey. Um, but you you could go outside and you could like balance out what you were seeing on your news feed with like actual experiences. In 2020, you didn't have that. Um, and I mean, I think that now, like it for for a lot of people, they're not 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 because they feel bad about you know going out and eating you know and, and that sort of thing, but just because they've gotten into the habit of like you know staying home and doing these sorts of things, so they're you know they're afraid of getting sick. Um, and to be like like even with that, like take your ass to the grocery store. You don't need somebody to bring that you that Instacart shit all the time. Like let people live. But but um, let me make a counter argument. But that person who's delivering it for Instacart, mm. it's giving them money to possibly do whatever they're wanting to do with their life and giving them the freedom. That is that is a, a super optimistic way of looking at it, and I think that is probably true for some people. Okay. There is an increasing number of people in the United States who do gig economy work uh, exclusively. Um, which is like, you know, like because like if you if you if you think of nothing else. You're putting wear and tear on your car that you are solely responsible for. Yep. You're solely that, responsible that for is all the your downside. taxes. Yep. Yeah, like you, it is, it is a, it is a, a form of serfdom, is what it is. And like we, like, like I'm not saying that there, there, there aren't like upsides to like independence, but like you, you pay a cost for that independence um, because those employees, like those, those, like because I, I used to work for Lyft, like I used to work for the organization. Yeah, like um, it. They 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 want all of the the benefits of having actual employees with none of the responsibilities. What all those companies want, and yes, I agree with that. It bit the country in the ass. Interestingly enough, during the ongoing pandemic, and I'm not like because like like a lot of people don't know this, like this whole supply chain issue that you've probably heard about, right? Yep. There are a lot of issues with the supply chain, but one of the issues is there's everybody there's a backlog at the ports, and companies started Uberizing the trucking industry. Like they started like 1099ing these truck drivers whose job it was to go and load everything that was coming off of the ships. But since there was a backlog at all the ports. These dudes in these rigs are sitting at the port for two, at the port for two, four, six, eight hours that they're not getting paid for because they get paid by the load, not by the hour. So they couldn't pick up a load. Yep. And they're sitting there. They're not. They're not even deadheading. Like like taking nothing back. They're just like wasting time. So when they started figuring out, oh fuck, like this is costing me money. A lot of truckers pulled out of that 1099 model yeah. which means there were even few there were even fewer truckers to take the shit that was already backed up from the ports 
like you don't get to like pay people for their time and labor without like also making like a contribution to society because you will get to a point where it undercuts the entire society and then it fucks you. Yeah, and you could make an argument that maybe they 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 can withstand it, but like you you do get to the point where people like I said pe- pe- people like people will say I've had it, I don't want to play anymore. Not, and, and and when I say that, they'll say it about labor. They will also say it about consumption. They will also say it about consumption. They will, like people will be like, you know what? If I can like have fewer things and work less, I'll just have fewer things. Like, 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 I, like, I, like, there, 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 like, as, as, as much as there's like a, like a conservative narrative, narrative about entitlement and people wanting handouts, the, the, like, 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 the, the, the corporate elite flavor of human being is also very entitled. If in other, yeah. no other sense, they think they're entitled to labor. They talk about free markets. But they don't believe they should have to pay for labor when the price of labor goes up because people have said this isn't worth it. That is bullshit. So, with, when it comes like like going back to your your your, your counter argument, like Instacart in particular, Uber Eats in particular, because like you, like you can you make more money like driving people to and fro. Yeah, right. But like before, I, like I worked at, I worked at Bar Taco. Um, before I worked at Lyft, and sometimes I used to have to work like the to-go counter, and there would be people that would come in who were doing like Uber Eats and uh, Postmates and all this kind of shit. And like there were people that were obviously like, "Oh, well, you're doing this for extra money." Like it was just obvious that like it was like you know this was something that they do in their spare time or they're saving up or something and whatnot. And then there were people coming in with their children, like like there people like you see what I'm yeah, saying? One hundred percent. That is not a sustainable model for a country because like like, like you. You have retail, you have hospitality, you have like these little desk jobs to where like you can't really explain what you do, and then you have like blue collar work where shit gets built. But there is an entire section of the economy that's just like getting like forced out of the workforce into these like gig economy, uh, uh, these gig economy platforms and all that kind of shit. And that's where they're making their money, and you just can't expect that to be a sustainable model for people to be able to like actually live. Like and 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 maybe there's a flavor person that just doesn't care, right? But you, you when when you when you start offloading people on mass, offloading them from the workforce involuntarily, we're not talking about the people that have said I quit. We're talking about people that would like rather be working, but there's no work to be had. When you start offloading them without providing them like an alternative for them to like get their basic needs met, like you open up a pit, man. Like 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 is is as radicalizing as social media can be. Why do you want to like add that kind of stress into the system to where like you know this already has the means to like bring out the worst in people? Why do you also want them to be hungry and housing insecure? And you know maybe it's just like oh well you know you know like like if you're a rich person well I can pay for security and I can you know, do this kind of thing and whatnot and it's like I mean you know I, I guess you can think of it that way but most of us aren't those people like no you know no most of us are just normal people trying to work to pay our yeah. bills so you know I don't know man like well I th- this this summer is going to be interesting 
this summer is going to be interesting because that'll like by the time the summer knows like gets here, we'll 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 see whether or not this was kind of just like a, a big national vacation that everybody took, or if this is like kind of like the new normal. And I happen to be of the belief that this is probably like the new normal. I think that we're going to have to radically rethink, especially service and hospitality. Man, um, I agree with that. What would be your solution? Dude, the $15 minimum, like minimum wage would be a good start. It's not going to solve all the problems, but like, uh, like, 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 like the $15 minimum wage would be a good start. Um, but interestingly enough, like there, like there's, there's a wage stagnation problem, but like really what's fucking most people up is housing. Oh yeah. That, that, that is the, the, like the, to me anyway, like if you think about like the average American's budget. Housing is going to be most people's biggest expense on a good day. Um, food, transportation, housing, and we'll, we'll, we'll count your utilities in housing. Those are the like the, the those are the three biz, biggest expenses that most people have. No, like those are I think anybody, no matter what your income is, unless unless you like have a house that's paid for, but even then you still got to pay the taxes on the house. Um, those are the, the 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 biggest expenses for the average American. Um, and the price of housing is just disproportionate to most people's income. Like, especially in Nashville, like you, like when I first moved here, so I was paying, uh, six fifty a month to rent a room in a house. Mm-hmm. And now you can still find deals like that in Nashville, like East Nashville. That's where I was. But it's getting harder and harder. Like, I'm, I'm never going to be able, at this point in my life, I'm not going to be able to buy a home in Nashville. Mm-hmm. It's like $400,000, $350,000 for a house. Yeah. That, like, like the, the, that is, like, like, when you think about the average American's budget, man, even, even if you're buying, like, even if you're buying, like, the idea of buying a house is that you're supposed to be able to pay it off in a reasonable time frame. Like thirty year mortgage, yeah, like yeah, and like right, because like who? I mean, who has money for for a fifteen? Like because like you know, right now you hear like, oh well, interest rates are low. You got to get it in while you can. It's like, dude, like okay, so interest rates are two percent. The house is eight hundred thousand dollars. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, you know what I mean? The math doesn't add up. Yeah, it's just like it it, it is it's it's out of control. And in the short term, like. You hear people say, "Well, it's always like it's 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 city zoning issues because like you can you, you can't you can only build residential property in certain areas because other areas are zoned for for commercial property and that kind of thing, which that might be a part of it." Um, the the big again, and this is like the, the 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 right in front of you thing. This isn't the broader ideological belief system, but the two thousand eight financial crash happened. It off it, it it cut it it cut a whole generation out of the the housing market. Effectively, is what happened. And yeah, it offloaded what would have been, um, would be home buyers into the rental market, but they had more disposable income than the average renter, which contributed to a rise in prices for the average renter. Um, which is part of the reason that we're in the issue that we're in now. But then, like I said, like the, it, 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 there is a, a, a supply issue. That we're not able to build enough housing um, fast enough. But part of the issue is because it's not profitable for people to build affordable housing. Um, like, it, people, like, like the, the, the broader ideological point here is that like a, a house or an apartment, is it shelter or is it a financial instrument? We, 
because 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 if you, if you want people to be able to to put towards put forth a reasonable amount of their money to a house, it has to be shelter. It can't be a financial instrument. I'm going to pause you right there for one sec because I have to extend the time out on this. Okay, cool. Okay, and we're back. Yeah, financial instrument or shelter. Uh, that you know, like I don't like I don't know what the future holds, obviously, but that is like the broader like conflict, like when when it really gets down to housing, like what is this for? Um, like I like for mo- most people want shelter, right? Yeah. Um, but like the like the like the the 1950s Middle America was oh well this is a way to build wealth. Okay, fine, fine, because you own the house. But like even at that point, the idea of owning a house was like to like not have payments or like to pass it on to your children. It wasn't to turn it into a rental property, right? So then there's the concept of like a rental property being passive income. And, you know, the people that really make big money on rental and they own several properties, which yeah. means they, they're incentivized to hold them off of the, off of the market. Um, when there's like, 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 like the, the, I need to hold these so I can turn them again into financial instruments to put free money into my pocket month after month that I don't have to work for. Um, there, there are, you know, small to middle landlords that do that. But then they're like these massive corporate landlords that are doing it. I worked for one of those. Is, is in sales? Yeah. So I was uh, a leasing consultant. Mm-hmm. So it's a sales job in a way. Yeah. Because um, you're you're basically you make a commission off of every time you lease an apartment. Mm-hmm. But even to this day, the worst by far company I ever worked for was this company. Why was it so bad? The way they treated people and how. I mean, it was a business for them. So they were super cutthroat. It was also the most cutthroat business I was personally involved in. Because mm-hmm. I was working in the leasing office. And when you work in the leasing office, yeah, you're leasing apartments. Mm-hmm. But you are also the front lines of mitigation between the company and whoever is like the leasee. So you were dealing with issues like my AC is not working. Just stuff like that, which... There was things I like that job because of the tenants and just like the person to person interactions is like my favorite thing about doing like ride share is all the different people I get to meet. Mm-hmm. But the company was super corrupt. I mean, I had to evict people. Mm-hmm. I had to do all sorts of shit that I morally didn't feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Like it was against my own personal moral code that I try and apply to my life. Yeah. And simultaneously because of that, I was at like mentally and emotionally the lowest point of my life. Cause it was super draining on me. Mm. I felt bad because it got to a point to where I was trying to help the tenants. I was like, say what you just said to me in an email mm-hmm. and email the property manager and let them know, because you keep coming in here and basically they're going to keep sending you away if you don't have it in writing mm. or basically threaten this, this, and this, and say you're going to call city codes and they'll come and fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you're kind of on that spectrum, like once you're in the thick of a battle like that, I've, what I truly learned from that job was sometimes breaking even is a victory in life. Like if you can get out and just walk away with the clothes on your back mm-hmm. and start over, that's a victory in itself. That's real shit. I feel that. Because basically, and I've told this story on the podcast before, but the thing that really turned the tide for me, I was working under this manager, 
Mm-hmm. And I did not like her. I did not get along with her. Um, she, basically, it, it had come out. Uh, there was all these maintenance guys she was taking into empty apartments during work, and, basi- and she was having gangbangs with them during work hours. What? <laughs> and the way, the, the way that it was found out oh, no. was there was all these ACs that weren't working. It was like a property with 400 units, and there was like 200 units that were down. And these guys weren't working on them, weren't fixing them, weren't doing anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it comes out that this happens. The woman is the only one to get fired. And I got along with all the maintenance guys. I made a moral stand in that moment to where I said, this is wrong. Everybody should be fired, not just her. Yeah. And what was crazy about that job is it was run... Um, it's like a a very, uh, female dominant industry. Uh Like I was one of two dudes in the leasing office, like one of like two dude leasers Mm -hmm. and all the other guys were maintenance guys. Mm -hmm. So that happened. And I put a giant fucking target on my back and they started doing all these dirty, like they threatened to write me up, do all this shit. And every time they tried to fuck with me, I would bring that up. I said, so you're going to tell me that morally you can justify only fire a woman for sexual misconduct, and you're about to write me up for this right now. And it was some, some shit that's like bullshit, just like small like clerical errors paperwork-wise, which if somebody would have came to me and sat me down and said, hey, you keep fucking this up, we need you to fix this, I'd be like, no problem, my mistake. Because I, I, when I'm working, I like doing a good job. Mm. Like I don't want to do a bad job. Um, but I stayed there, and I... I even after that happened, that's the moment I should have quit. Mm-hmm. But I was entangled because I was living at one of the properties. Mm-hmm. So it would have been a whole fiasco. I ended up eventually getting fired there. <laughs> um, but it, it was definitely something like I look at that and it was really such a huge learning experience for the way that the world can operate. Because yeah. the maintenance guys, the my my thinking of the main reason they didn't get fired was because part of the labor shortage that is happening now with our generation, there's a lot of people in our generation that aren't working like trade jobs like that, where mm-hmm. you're fixing ACs, where you're fixing, you're being a plumber, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you got those guys and they're good at that job, you hang on to them. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that and it was like working in sales. You could get away with a lot working in sales, not necessarily shit like that, mm-hmm. but you could come in late if you hit your numbers and no one's going to say shit to you. Mm-hmm. You could leave early on Friday, you hit your numbers, no one's going to say shit to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, at the work, workplaces can be, can, they can be grimy, man. And, and I, hell, you know, I like just by virtue of the conversation that we were just having, like when you are in the business of making you know, you're not really providing shelter. You're 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 creating an asset, is what you're doing. <clears throat> but when you're doing that with people's ability to keep a roof over your head, I just feel like I feel like there would be a lot of those kinds of people that are there. Um, yeah, man, I don't know, dude. It, I, like it, I, I like it's been a big theme of this episode. It seems just like you know, really trying to figure out what work means to us and how we fit into workplaces and how that fits into just the way that we brought it. Like, cause like, I don't get the sense that anybody thinks that the way that we do things now is working or that it's um, good. Or the, yeah. It, it just, yeah, I, you know, and I like, I don't, I don't have all the answers, man. I just know that 
we can do better than what we're doing. Um, well, I'll counter that. I mean, this is not necessarily a counter argument, but I think it's more important in, in some ways to just ask the question and be aware that it's an issue mm-hmm. than anything mm-hmm. for someone just to ask it out loud. Cause yeah. for a long time, it felt like mm-hmm. no one was, it was like, this is American life working nine to five. You get your, your house, your car, your two and a half kids, Mm-hmm. You retire after this amount of time. And there's ob- obviously been, like, you look at artists. Artists are always, you, anybody throughout history, at least in the 20th century, where recorded music became popularized and it became a thing to where you can make a lot of money doing it. You look at someone like Jim Morrison or you look at Miles Davis, whoever you want to name throughout history mm-hmm. and their backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And it's like they escape mm-hmm. in a way. But on the other end, they have to deal with the record label. So yeah, it, it you know it it's, it's, it's like there's there's always a trap somewhere, isn't it, man? Like it, I I say that you're gonna hurt one way or another is the way that I say it. You got to choose the way that you're gonna hurt. That's the way that I say it anyway. And life, I think that is that is a way of looking at life. Like it's a hurt now, hurt later, um, or hurt in terms of unfulfillment in a relationship, or hurt in terms of loneliness like you like you gonna hurt somewhere you get a part of life i feel like is figuring out what kind of hurt you're best suited to handle to pick your what suffering you want yeah it's better to pick your own suffering than have circumstances dictate what your suffering is yeah yeah yes um but that being said but then you have to go go into the exercise of especially like you know because for, for most of your life like you, you don't you don't pick parental trauma. That picks you. You know what I mean. So 100%. Like that is that is not the, 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 that is not a one hundred percent philosophy. But like for for adults, that is a productive way of thinking about it. But then you got to go into the exercise of well, how much of my decision making process is the result of things that I can't control? Um, and I'm not even talking about your biology. I'm talking about the way that you learned to interact with the world based on. <laughs> mainly your parents um because like dude that like that like that that is a big one man like that is like like has a lot to do with the trajectory that it sits people on um and that doesn't mean that you can't you know employ self-awareness and practice self-awareness and and try to overcome some of those things and therapy would obviously help with that um but I don't know, like, you, you have to get to the point where you, 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 you ask that question before you start going down that path of, like, all right, well, how can I do something different? You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just kind of, like, spouting off there. No. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, you have to, uh, to reflect. Like, it's, it's pretty important to me that I have, like, quiet time just to, like, sit with my thoughts mm. and kind of mull things over, which... I have been guilty in the past of thinking things to death. Like I will try to apply logic in rational. Like that was a way for a long time. I applied logic, trying to be logical and rational instead of feeling. And that was due to my own childhood and the way that I grew up. And to a certain degree, it, it was almost helpful just to survive but it didn't lead me to living a very satisfying life. Yeah, no, that's real shit, man. No, that, like, you... 
Yeah, like you know, I, I think some portion of people are lucky, but like you know, our relationships with our parents, um, they like you said, they, they they can set you on a path that it, it, it makes life less sweet. You know what I mean? You spend less time living in the moment and being who you want to be and doing what you want to do, um, or or even um, sitting there, you know, <laughs> pontificating on your relationship with your parents, man. Like, you know, like nobody wants to do that. Um, I mean, I'm saying, I'm not saying it's not helpful to do, but, um, you know, it is a, it is a source of hurt, man. Like, dude, like, like, like parent wounds are real shit, man. Um, but then, you know, the hell there's, there's a, there's a suffering and being bored too. You know, of, of 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 having too much free time with nothing to put towards it. You know, like because like I don't like like I run, and um, I I can I can I have I have an appreciation for the degree to which you know like 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 having something to work towards or suffer for, believe in, fight for. I, I can see how that can make life, you know just feel vibrant. I don't think that at this stage in human development, we should be doing it to keep a roof over our heads though, especially with so much of it to go around. Um, Cause there, there is a toxic version of that narrative of having something to fight for to where it's like, Oh, well if you, you, you want to be able to go and eat at butcher town hall where you need to put in the hours. Like, 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 come on, man, chill the fuck out. Well, um, there's this thing with entrepreneurs too. It's like I like – you look at someone like Gary Vee, and mm-hmm. I, I like Gary Vee to a certain degree in some of the things he says. Mm-hmm. But there's the, the like this unrealistic expectation, I think, that a lot of people are putting on themselves now mm-hmm. that we, ha- we do have this technology, and it's great. Mm-hmm. But it's unrealistic to a certain degree where it's like you have to work from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed. Yeah. I, and he, like, even if that was the expectation, I'm not going to do it. And I like he like a lot of his like social media philosophy is actually quite useful. Yes. His not like the, the, the hustle stuff. First of all, you got to remember he you know, he, he he's he's a, he's, a, he's an influencer. I mean, he's like he's an investor, too, but he's an influencer, which means like, you know, like it, it is you are watching his own propaganda network. You yeah. Know, he's portraying his himself yes. in his best yes. light. Um, but a lot of his like practical social media philosophy, not life philosophy, but a lot of that shit is actually quite good. Um, but I, I have a suspicion, like, I'm sure that he didn't live his life the way that he says he lived his life. I, like, I know he's telling, he's telling us about his life as he sees himself. Um, if we were actually there, I'm sure it would have been a lot different. And even if he's telling it like, you know, like it was, you know, you have to factor, like, that's a very lonely life to have lived. And that might destroy you before you're, you know, if you, if you, before you were able to like not get that business off of the ground and that just tears your heart apart and that kind of thing. Um, rest is important. And also like, just kind of like enjoying the ride and, and, and cause I know, I know, I know what he says. You gotta do it cause you love it and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I think that that's kind of like a, it's kind of a backhanded tactic that you hear a lot of rich people using or a person um, that's already successful using. Yeah. Um, or, you know, you've, you've heard the term survivorship bias too, you know, like you've, you've heard that term. 
Yeah, that's basically like uh, someone saying, like Taylor Swift being like, follow all your dreams. Yeah. They'll come true. Shit, shit like that, right? It, 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 it's, it's the belief that for lack, like, like in simple terms, because it worked for me, it's, it will work for everybody. Like you might've just been fucking lucky. Um, you know, it's not to say that you didn't work, but like, there are also a lot of people that work really, really hard. And then like, for one reason or another, it just doesn't pan out. And it wasn't because they weren't talented enough. or just like, a lot like, like if nothing else, you can't control timing. You know what I mean? No, you have no control over that. Um, but yeah, like it, I like it, it. It's an unrealistic expectation, like you were saying. But like, also, like, who honestly wants to do that? Like that, because that to me, that's just another trap. Like working for the sake of working. Like I don't want to make music for the sake of making music. Um, like because like it's like if you, if you take like Weezer for example, or Maroon Five. Clearly, they got to a point where they were like, "Well, now we're doing this because we have to do it." Yeah. There was like a, a point like post 2006 Weezer where they started listening to the record label. Yeah. And doing but, the collaborations they were told to do. Exactly. And they're, they're contractually obligated to fulfill X amount of albums. So like something has to go on those records. Um, you know, like, and there, there is something to be said of like, you know, being able to get in there and making, making things when you don't having want an to actual make budget. Or having the but like okay so like I, I I would be willing to like well they didn't have what we have now to True. me and granted this is also kind of just like like for for the kind of music that I enjoy and that I seek to make but part part of the aesthetic is not spending a bunch of money on it um, but especially here in Nashville you know it, like like people people put a lot of pride into you know what microphone their drum overheads are recorded with like, like I don't give a shit about that yeah. shit it's you know it it's that's 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 kind of like just a big jerk off thing i don't really care about that shit either but um the, to me like the best thing the budget can give you is just the time to work things through but you know cuz like you know, like 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 the average music listener like they don't they don't they don't know what mono or stereo is they just know they hear drums is what they hear they, that that's what they hear they hear drums and they hear vocals and you know it how good the song is and how well that idea is communicated in the performance it says a lot more the emotion behind it the emotion behind it but the, i mean there there is a te- technical aspect to it like sure. I, like i like 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 because we, we started this talking about vocals, for example. Like I like I I, I double track like most of my vocals, which is kind of like a, yeah. yeah. And in that for especially for a lot of male singers, that tends to be very very effective. Um, it just like when people listen to it, it just feels right to them, right? Um, but the microphone that you do the double tracking with that doesn't really matter that much. Like you can tell a difference between like a condenser microphone and a dynamic microphone. Like when you, when you hear it, if you're really, really paying attention, but that is not going to make as much of a difference as in, like you said, the performance itself and also the way that the performance is treated. Um, you know, and you know, like, like, you know, like, like obviously like, you know, a, a, a nicer microphone, you might be more impressed with the sound, but like, like, like a song that like blows me away not the song itself but like the fact that this is like this is a song that people love is um picture which is kid rock and cheryl Crow. oh yeah yeah i know that's you listen like if you listen to it 
Yeah, because it's like it, I think it came out in like two thousand and two. Like it was like there's like a drum machine loop that that isn't even quantized, and it's like it's like real. Like it's it it, it it it's shoddy in context of radio country music because radio country music is super produced. produced. Um, it is. It, it is insane that that song hit radio at that level of production because it's real, like, really? Like, because it's kind of like TikTok production. Yeah, it's like, 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 it's like almost like, like kind of lo fi, but like not super intentionally so. I don't know a whole lot about the recording of that song because I, I, I'd only ever heard people sing it at karaoke and then I went and listened to it and I was like, I could have done that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I probably could have done it better. But you know the, the the song obviously works, but that's kind of the thing. But like you know, like like I said, pe- pe- people hear the song for the most part is what they hear. You know, like 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 a guy to buy voices song like that was meant to sound like kind of shitty, like when it was made. Yeah, uh, but like I I I I I don't know that when they were in the studio making that Kid song, Rock was like, hey, ma- make that drum loop a little shittier. Yeah, I I I just I I don't get the sense that that's how it happened. It, it's weird because like the Strokes. They tried. They 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 spent a lot of money because they recorded with Gordon Raphael, who recorded like the first I think two Radiohead albums, and they spent a lot of money working with him to intentionally sound the way that those first two Strokes records sound. Um, they're like, yeah, cool. How can we fuck this up? <laughs> Which is cool. Um, and and again, it works because like like it, it works because those songs are really really good. Um, but if those songs happened to not be be so good, that would have been really poserish of them. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it wouldn't have been as, it wouldn't have been as cool. So you're also saying that, and in the same way, never mind. I don't it's, even I don't even want to say it, what I'm it, thinking. It's stupid. It's it's gonna be it's got to be honest. Like it, yeah. it has to be honest. Well, and, that's what I was gonna say. So Kid Rock. What he did was honest. Like he wasn't trying to be super lo-fi. This is oh yeah, there's he no. Was there's, just, yeah, he was just listening to it, and he's like, "Those drums sound good," and moving on. Assuming he was the one that was making the final decision, which he probably wasn't. But but yes, like the the, the principle is the is, is 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 there. Yes, I like just just like I said, there's no way that it because that, that sounds from like the late. I think it's from like 2002, but it might be from the late 90s at that stage of music development. There's just no way they like 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 just in, in country music there 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 is no appreciate like there there's there can sometimes be an appreciation of like rawness, but there is no lo-fi in 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 no. country music and in, in, in radio country music like no oh no no that like that's just not a thing. Well, there. Chris Chris Stapleton is about as close as you would get to something like that. See, but that's and that that's the raw thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like, 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 like you'll, you can maybe hear drums in a, like, like the, the drum machine in a Steve Earle song, maybe. You're not going to hear that in a Chris Stapleton record. Well, yeah. hell, well, now, now you hear sample drums in all kinds of country music, but, yeah. it, but it's still like the, the highly produced kind. I don't know, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's one of those things where it's just like, dude, what the fuck? But, you know, it's a, it was a hit. It was a hit. So. Where can people find you at? Spot literally anywhere. Like, just search "Love Montage" on Spotify. I got a shiny bald head and some sunglasses on. Uh, my Instagram is "Love Montage Sucks." Awesome. And here nice. is "You Turn Me On." We'll see you next week. Cool. Thanks, guys.
Say it one more time. 